Welcome to the podcast, Live Transform. This is episode 117. And we are anticipating another great time together with you and with Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, thanks for joining us, Jim. We were, we were hoping you'd, you'd meet with us here. <laughs> See, I almost missed because I thought I was supposed to show up at 118. <laughs> And, and then I, but we must do one one seven. One one seven. I was almost. I was almost at the wrong podcast. Completely. Oh my god! Stop it. But you couldn't be at one one eight because in, there there isn't a one one seven. It's in the future. I have to go to the future to do that. <laughs> yeah. I think I can do. Let's that. meet there. You, you are like God. You are not limited. By I would like space. to meet there. That's right. Oh, we're gonna figure this out eventually. How to how to do this transporting thing and. How to meet in different times? You know, I, I did a one time. I, <laughs> boy, I, I hope whoever wrote me this, if they're listening, I hope it doesn't make them feel too weird. But you know, <laughs> you know, I, I I really believe that because God dwells outside of time, that there are certain factors over which time has no dominion. Mm, interesting. And and uh, you know, and I talked about the fact that. You know, God says He will answer before we call, mm-hmm. and uh-huh. uh, uh, you know um, that. You know, I mean, that is just totally outside of our our sense of our sense of how how we connect. You yes. know, the dots. It's <clears throat> and, called. Uh, it's trippy. That's what it is. Well, it, well, it, it it is. But having experience with LSD when I was younger, uh, <laughs> is it trippy, a little easier for you? Trippy issues are easier for me to grasp. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Good for you. Wow. So, you know, uh, <laughs> but a side note to that, we're not encouraging. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, remember, I redefined LSD. LSD is lazy summer days. And oh, that's yeah, what we summer. have with Jesus. Oh, okay. See, they thought I was talking okay. about something else, probably. Yeah, they thought yeah. you were talking about something else. Gotcha. But, you know, so since God dwells outside of time, see, we relate to God as if he is bound by, by time. I know. And you know, I, you know, we're we're all. I'm a, one of the re- things I love about studying science so much is that I'm always discovering things. When you get good science, I'm always discovering things that m- make things the Bible tells us. Uh, it puts it in words that our generation can understand. Yeah. You know. You know. Uh, uh, when I first started teaching about the heart, I would have medical doctors stand up you know, an audience and, and rebuke me mm-hmm. only because I knew the science was good, but more than that, I knew the biblical concept was good. But, you know, then, you know, a few years later, what I had studied in cutting edge science would become kind of common knowledge, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, maybe the same doctor, I might see him again and he might go, Oh man, I didn't, I just didn't realize, you know, mm-hmm. but the Bible's always been a, been a head of science. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that I've, that I have talked about a lot is, is how that, you know, how that information from our heart goes through the body. And I'm just using this as an example. You know, this, yeah. I'll, I'll get back on the God dwelling outside time. And so, so somebody sent me an article the other day, and it's really interesting. See, see, I know that there, there are ways that information travels through the body. Like, like you know, when, when you take a medication, uh, that medication is being carried through your cells primarily through physical contact, you know, cells, contacting cells, contacting cells, contacting cells. And so that creates a, a, that creates a speed at which something can go through the body, but it also creates uh, certain limitations based on what's, what, what kind of cells are growing in your body. Uh, 
give, give you an example, you know, the Bible teaches us not to eat pork and everybody's like, well, you know, that don't matter now because, you know, now you can cook it enough to kill all the parasites. Well, one of the things that we know, for example, is that pork, uh, when you eat pork, it changes the speed that cellular information is able to move through your body, which what? means, yeah, what? which means it can't sync up the way it, it's supposed to. So what the, about the, bacon? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, we're talking, we're talking <laughs> bacon, yeah, shrimp, catfish. Do you remember fish. last podcast when I said I'm not willing to hear certain <laughs> yeah. things? I, do, I, do, I have no desire to hear what you're right. telling me I, right I, now. I understand. Uh, but <laughs> anyhow, so you know, so you know, you know, we know that. So, so there's the physical cell to cell communication, but we also know then there's the nervous system. Information can get carried through the body, through the nervous system. You know, now science has finally figured out what they denied for, you know, for the last hundred years and that there is a meridian system. Information, and when I'm talking about information, I'm talking about more than just information. Information that has the power to change how your body functions. Mm -hmm. We know that, that it can get carried through your, uh, what we call the meridian system. And, uh, you know, I've always felt like that since God is so smart, so generous, so uh, a preemptive in his love that he created the body where it's incredibly adaptable. So, yes. so, so like if you, if you, it, uh, there are people, for example, who, who uh, I, I used to work with a guy that worked with quadriplegics that using the, the meridian system, uh, he would get people where they could use their hands and walk again. Okay. What is the meridian system? The meridian system is what the Chinese mapped out uh, as energetic pathways that carry information and energy to different organs and different parts of the body. Okay. Okay. Well, well because it's not physical, and it's kind of right. interesting that science would deny, because it's not physical, it's not real. So you're saying, okay, then air is not real. So light, anything that's invisible is not real. Yeah. Light is not real. You know, it's like, yes, come on, guys. Yes. Yeah. But um, well, you're talking about the human body. So you can take the cells, you can take the heart, you can take physical. you can take the nervous system, you, you see, because it's all there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, see, now, for example, somebody sent me an article today, and I've been saying this for years, is that is that there is information that can go through the body that is carried. And uh, I'm convinced it's by it's by the heart waves or the carrier waves and uh, uh, that that. There is there is no way you're going to find it. Just, it just goes through the body. It's just like a radio signal, you know, sent through the body. Well, they have now discovered. They don't know how it happens. That they can even they can even slice up your brain and it not be touching, and information could go from one part of your brain to another brain. <laughs> so so you know there's there's this other energy system. All of that is to say, we limit God to our finite. Mm -hmm. five senses you know like like last yes, week we, we were did. talking about we're talking last week i think it was we were talking about how that there's a you know there is a frequency of light that we can recognize mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. most of the frequency of light we can't we don't even see right yes we don't even see it therefore we there never is so factor much in. more going on than we don't see there is yeah. so much more happening that we cannot see with it's the same thing eyes. with sam and you know I, i'm not a new ager but the new agers believe a lot more biblical stuff than a lot of christians do you know, mm -hmm. New Agers will, will, will talk about how there's energy in a particular stone. And, mm -hmm. you know, Christians just make fun of it. That's And it's like, oh, that doesn't work. Well, what do you think nuclear energy is? Yeah, exactly. It's energy in a rock. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. This kind of stuff is so fun because all of a sudden you can start to feel limitless 
in the yeah. mystery, in the mysteries. Like there are so many fun, exciting mysteries that we have yeah. yet to unfold in this in this lifetime, and then yet in our world to come. Like, so were you t- were you going to tell a story about the time? Yeah, and so you oh, know, okay. so 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 my, my point of telling all that was is we have got to give up these limitations that we have on God. Yes, you know, Psalm yes. 72, I believe it is, it talks about how that the children of Israel limited the Holy One. Mm-hmm. And so we can limit God, and we limit God because we put him in this in this box, you know. Of earthly existence. It's almost like he has to be like we are. Like he has to see and think. Yeah, and instead of like, us seeing ourselves as he is, we try to yes. make him see him as we as we see yes, ourselves. Exactly. So, you know, in the thing of time, and the way I would usually use example is this. Now, God cannot violate our will. Mm-hmm. He will not violate our will. If he does, he is the oppressor. Right. He's a he's a liar. He he. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he has contradicted himself. But at the same time, God knows the future. Now, as a matter of fact, God doesn't just know the future. God's in the future. He's in the past. <laughs> he's in the present. It's like, okay, how does that happen? I don't know. I love that. <laughs> he doesn't just know the future. He's actually well, there. So many times you will be going through chaos in your life. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and, you know, and you're looking at, you're looking at your life like nothing, none of the dots are connecting, nothing is happening as it should be. This is, my life is out of control. And then somewhere along the way, you're just finding like, God, I, I surrender. I, I mean, I surrender. I come to you. And then you get into one of these situations where then suddenly you look back at your life and you realize that all of these things that happened now suddenly have meaning and your life couldn't be what it is today if you hadn't gone through those things. So right. some people are going to say, so God made you go through those things. No. Yeah, exactly. No, no. you made choices. And, yeah. and you know, we're, we're still talking about choices. We're still t- talking about the golden thread here. But what you realize is this, is God answered that prayer in the future. You might have made all these crazy mm. choices. You might have done all of these destructive things, but God answered that prayer that you hadn't even prayed yet so that at the moment you got on board and you and you started making the choices, he was he was able in the middle of all that mess to make it where okay, now all of this starts working for you because I was able to put things in place that once you made the choices, all the dots connected. Bam. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And that's why it's so, how would we not want to just like last week's episode, hear his voice? Cause if he's truly in the future, talk about him hearing his voice gives us this mm. incredible uh, advantage and privilege that he already knows. Yeah. And so he knows the exact best way for us to live yeah. our life today because he's already in the future. Mm-hmm. And he can and he now, can give us the perspective of the future that is that faith. But let me, let me say now, I did have somebody write me, tell, tell me, man, I yeah. want to, you to teach some more about that time travel because I believe we can do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so, so no. and the other thing, this is inspiring me to say something because of this whole God is not limited by time. This has gotten so real for me because when you start to take the word of God 
and just get one thought. So for instance, it was me. So Psalm 90 verse, I think it's 15 or something like that. It says, replace the evil years with good. Yeah. So, you know, you can just flip that off your tongue and say, oh, isn't that nice? Just replace the evil years with good. Well, I started meditating on that for like months at a time. And I realized that, um, think about this. If Jehovah has stood up for me and he is stirring up my situation and he is imposing his outcome on my situation, if I'm asking for that, then could it be, and does it happen where he's going to every year that I've lived in time, zero to 54, if he has had this ability to replace any evil experience or any evil years, any evil thing with good, he could actually replace that with new experiences with me. So I have been taking months of, if I think of a painful thing in my past, I invite him into that situation and I bring him there and I say, replace this evil moment with your good moment. Like when I'm, I'm in a, you know, I, I'm in a classroom and for instance, I had a memory of eighth grade when I cheated on a test and I don't want to be a cheater. I don't, I want to get to every time when I've cheated and bring correction there. So in eighth grade, I cheated on an exam and, um, I brought Jesus into that moment and I saw him, I was about to look at that guy's paper and Jesus is standing there saying, I'm so glad I know who you are, Roger. You never have to cheat to get mm-hmm. forward in life. You never need to no. cheat to feel approved or to feel, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Well, you're, And the thing you're hitting on, a lot of people that go to this, they say that he he recreates your past. He doesn't recreate No, he past. doesn't recreate no. my past. He, he turns the curse into the blessing. Yes. He, he turns exactly. the evil that was, you know, that, that was set for evil to good yeah. but yes. because of your willingness to make decisions, you know, and, and you know, you're the, probably the translation that you're talking about is probably, is that the verse, you know, that, that I'll talk about a lot. Uh, it's quoted in, in the new Testament too, about redeeming the time. Is that, mm, is, is that no, the way they translate it? I don't, I, I don't think so. I, don't, I think this is okay. a different scripture. Because, because read, redeeming the time means to restore, you know, to the original point of opportunity. Yes. Right. Yes. And so, and so, I don't get restored to the original point of opportunity because that past changes. No. I get restored to it because today I look at that differently. I yes. make different choices about it. And I accept God's God's view of it and God's yeah, view of exactly, me. Yeah, exactly, Jim. So now I can think about that day. I know exactly where I was, which school, yep. which classroom. That was the day I cheated on an exam. Yep. And I actually got a lot of accolades because I did way better on that exam than I should have for mm. my my age. And so I, and it was a multiple choice thing. So that was the day that I wrongfully got rewarded for something I shouldn't have gotten. Yep. But yep. now guess what that day was? That was now when I look back at that day, that was the day that Jesus was with me. And he said, Audrey, you never have to cheat to get yep. for, get ahead in life. You, yep. that is never the way, because that's not who you are together. Mm-hmm. We are wise. We always choose the paths of wisdom. We, this is the day that he was able to show mm-hmm. me that. And this is where the shame is removed. Yes. Yeah. That the shame that's is not removed. Who I am. <clears throat> exactly. That's not who I am. But no. because that has that, that cloak or that I that false identity, you know, has shadowed your life. Yeah. Then then there's just been this underlying, you know, uh part of it yeah. that you're always having to de- to, to deny, 
Resist no. yourself rather than walking in in f- real freedom. Or having that belief in my heart that I do have to yes. cheat to get ahead. Right. Well, but you're resisting that. You're you yeah. see you're you're trying to ignore that. And it's just like no 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 no. Rather than really being free. Mm-hmm. So you know, with all of this in my in my mind, you know, you know, because we know the names of God, and we've talked about this before. You know, there's not a Jehovah. I will make you sick. There is Jehovah. Right. No, uh, Jehovah. I am your healer. I am your healer. Yeah. There, there is not a Jehovah. I will torment you until you do right. There is Jehovah Shalom. I will give you peace in oh. this mm. in this situation. You know, there is not a Jehovah. I will make you broke. There is a Jehovah <laughs> Jireh. I will. I am your provider. Always I will see provide. the need and provide it. And so, you know, we we those of us that are making the journey that we're making, who believe in the new covenant, who believe in the names of God, who believe in the gospel of peace and the covenant of peace, we know that God is good, only good. And we know that no matter what our circumstance is, that God can show us how to make life or how to experience life with any scripture, with any truth. You know, remember last week, and we were talking about the whole child thing. It's like, okay, so the real reason you don't want to paddle your child is is, is because you have this horrible idea of what it looks like, and yes, and, and what wh- it and, feels like, and the damage, and, and you trauma. would, and you think you'd got to do it because you're angry, or you know, who knows? Right. Yes. But but if we really know who God is, we look at God's word. So wait a minute. Okay, there there's there is a good outcome. Mm-hmm. When I see God's word from his perspective, there is a good outcome. And yes. so I can, I can entrust myself fully to his, to his goodness. Mm-hmm. And, and when I entrust myself fully to his goodness, I might not even know, I might not have a clue how he's going to show me to look at something. I might not have a clue, you know, how he's going to teach me to apply that life in, my mo- in this very moment. But I just know he's going to. He's got, He's always going to show me a good way to deal, to work through whatever I'm dealing with. A, yes. a way that's always going to lead always going to, to lead life. To, to life, yeah. exactly. Now, <clears throat> you contrast that with, with a person that limits, has a limited view of God, a limited view of life, and then basically all of that comes down to a limited view of self. Yes, and that person uh, is incredibly fearful of making their own decisions because making their own decisions puts them in a realm called responsibility. So this is, you're actually talking about the opposite of, I love that we're going in this direction because we've been talking for so many weeks about personal responsibility. Yeah. But what is actually the polar opposite? Yeah. Of taking personal responsibility. The, the, the polar opposite of personal responsibility in this generation is understood uh, by a term that di- wasn't even in the dictionary, I don't think, before the 80s called codependency. Ah, okay. Now, I, I have a book called Take Control of Your Life. It was originally. I love that book. It, it is. See, there is a saying, you know, most of the people know, you know, I'm a, I'm not anymore. I was a state certified substance abuse <laughs> counselor. Uh, I was a substance abuse detox specialist. I actually worked on the floor in, in, in the Bronx in Lincoln Hospital working with, with uh, 
substance abusers and, and had my own clinic, you know, for years and years and years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, now, there is a mm -hmm. common saying in the, the drug addiction world that is the truth saying you could ever imagine. And the concept is in the Bible, even though the word is not in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And that's the word doesn't have to be there as long as it's congruent, you know, with the concept. And here, here is the concept. Codependency is the mother of all addictions. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter if it's sex addiction. Doesn't matter yep. if it's lying. It doesn't matter if it's needing to be accepted. It doesn't matter if it's needing to be liked. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if it's needing to be in control. It doesn't matter if it's drugs. It doesn't matter what uh, the need for power. Codependency is the mother of all addictions. In other words, it'll give birth. It'll that is what is giving birth to every yeah. single addiction. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> which is the opposite of personal responsibility is what you oh, just said. Oh, well, absolutely. When you, you know, when I first, when, when the concepts of codependency first emerged on the scene, I, I could look at my life. I could look at my, you know, like my mother was an incredible woman. I mean, I don't, uh, uh, you, uh, you know, uh, uh, people tell me this, you know, I've I got six daughters and, I, and I, you know, my daughters have good personalities are a lot of fun, but like mm -hmm. uh, Tanya, our oldest is like nobody doesn't like her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. She's yeah. just one of those people everybody likes because she's nice. She's considerate. Oh, and, you know, she's got good so manners. Loving. She's so generous and giving. Oh yeah. my gosh. Tanya is incredible. Well, that's, that's kind of the way my mother was. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody loved my mother. She's always thinking about someone else. I think if I think of Tanya, I would yeah. say your oldest daughter, Tanya, she's always yeah. thinking about the people around her. Well, you know, so you look at my mom and, you know, she, everybody loved her. Mm -hmm. She was a good mother, mm -hmm. but she always picked the wrong kind of man. Mm. Always. Mm -hmm. Every man that she picked was a, 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 a drunk and a physical abuser. Hmm. So, you know, you look at people and you go, what in the world? How do these good people? you know, kind, wonderful, how do they end up, you know, with these crazy people? So originally the first concepts of codependency that emerged on the scene was this people who are not addicts, they get into relationships with people who are addicts or people who are dependent and they're getting in those relationships with dependent reasons for you know for some reasons. In other words, there's, there's some dysfunction that that drives them into these relationships. So so even though they're not dependent on alcohol, like my mother never drank. My mother never hmm. smoked. She never never did anything like that. Hmm. But she was co-dependent on alcohol because she was in a relationship with or, you know with two different men in a row that were both drunks. So, so that is where you get the concept co-dependent. So in other words, they're alongside somebody else who is dependent. Mm -hmm. And so they, they, so, so, you know, so they realize though, you, you get into these kinds of situations because of some needs in your own life. So uh, that was the very first concept of codependency, but as time went by and the, and the, you know, the issues of codependency begin to be explored more. The, the definition kind of expanded to say, you know, a codependent is a person who actually is dependent on people outside of them to do for them 
what they should do for themselves. Dependent on people outside of them yep. to do what they should do themselves. Yep. Now, to me, the, the ultimate concept of codependency is this, is to depend, be dependent on anything or anyone outside of yourself for something that only God can do inside of you. Mm-hmm. So the codependent person is actually afraid to make their own decisions. And buddy, this can splinter off into a hundred different little little subcategories. So the codependent person, for example, the, the, the passive codependent person will get into relationships with dominators, controllers, because they really don't want the responsibility of making their own decisions. Now they'll whine and cry and get counseling about uh, about you know how abusive they are and how yeah. powerful that they're controlling. Yeah, but the but the real truth is in those situations, most of the time, if that controller gets help, it'll blow up the marriage because yeah. now that controller is not feeding the insecurity, the addiction that the passive codependent person has. Like Bob and I call it the fear dance. Their fear is not, your fears are all working off of each other. And all of a sudden someone leaves a dance and someone's left dancing alone. And it's like, wait a minute, we're supposed to do this whole fear thing together. I'm scared. And then you do this and then you're scared. And then, yeah. 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 So in this, in this thing about, and codependency ultimately is a person from the, from, from the strictest theological definition. Mm-hmm. Codependency is a person who does not believe they're created in the likeness and image of God. Mm-hmm. Now, theologically, mm-hmm. they will say they do. Of and, course. And theologically, they do. Yeah. But in real life function, they don't. Because if, if I believe I'm created in the likeness and the image of God, then I believe not only can I make decisions, and this is one of the things I wanted to get into about this thing about, you know, God answering these prayers before we ask. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I was with w- one of my really close friends. There's a, a, a doctor, Gary Cook. Some of you guys have met him. Yes. Uh, me and him do research together all the time. I love it. I've even met him. Oh, he, he's great. He's a, he's, a, he's a miracle worker as far mm-hmm. as, how he, as how he treats people and the, and the yeah. benefit that he gets them. And we were just, we were talking about it yesterday. We had lunch together. And, and we were just talking about how that neither one of us are too concerned with our failures or with what mm. might be wrong with us. Mm. And uh, he t- he uh, he's told me this story a hundred times probably, but I always like listening to it again. But he talks about how that after he got saved, uh, uh, he said one of the first things he did, he said, I divorced myself from my family. He, he had like five or six sisters. He had an angry mother and, you know, basically... Uh, you know, he was just always put down, told what he couldn't do, what he couldn't be. Now, so when he says he divorced his family, I'm not saying he was brutal. He rejected them, you know, or that kind of stuff. He or he just, he's bitter against them. He just stopped being one with them, you, mm. you know? And he said when he divorced his family, that's when God started speaking to him. And I said, well, of course it mm. is. God couldn't speak to you as long as you were listening to people tell you how stupid you were and that you'd never amount to anything and, mm. and, and you know, pointing out all of your faults. And so he said, you know, he's, man, he started listening to God. He said his life, it was, he said his life just totally transformed. He, he said, you know, being a Christian was just so simple. And he said, so, you know, time goes by and he starts 
talking to God about, man, you know, because uh, I, I don't know who was putting emphasis on him about what was wrong with him. And so, man, you know, he's, his prayer life started coming about, you know, what all's wrong with him and help me, God, and fix me, God. He said one day, you know, he was in that whole thing of help me, God, fix me, God. And, and he said, and he said, I finally just stopped and the Lord spoke to me. He said, I wish you would just shut up about all that. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but, but there's all this stuff that's not right about me. And, and God, and he said, it felt like God just said, you know what? Uh, when it's an issue for me, I'll take care of it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yes. Like just settle. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm not being irresponsible in dealing with our issues. And that's not what we're talking about because no. we're talking about somebody that is walking with God and listening to God and, mm-hmm. and letting God be the one that says, let's, mm-hmm. oh, let's deal with this little issue instead of everybody else around you. But the point is this, for me, a part of it is this, you know, man, I want to be godly. I, I, I want to be, you know, one of my goals when I wake up every day is I want to be a better man today. I, I, I want to be a better man than I was yesterday. I want to be a better mm-hmm. husband. I'll be a better father. I'll be a better friend, you know, and I don't do that in the sense of looking back and saying there was something wrong with yesterday. It's just like, it's just like, I just want to keep making this journey, you know? And, uh, but here's one of the things that, I, that just brings me so much comfort. It's like, even if I make a wrong decision, which I have made a lot of wrong decisions, it don't matter. All things work together to my good because I am in a loving relationship with God where I can hear him speak to me and, and, and correct, my, correct my course. Wow. So it's like, it's like it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if I, you know, if I make a bad decision. It costs <laughs> me a lot of money, costs me a lot of friends, you know, whatever mm-hmm. costs me. It's like I, I, I'm going to recover because I'm always going to be I'm always going to be listening to God, and and, wow. and that's what makes everything work out to your good. Mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. the person that doesn't see the the minute you don't accept who you are, you know. In other words, uh, you know, we like we said a while ago is like a, um, when we will either believe we are created in the likeness and the image of God, and rem, which removes all of the limits from our life. Or we will create, recreate the image of God in our likeness, and we will bring God down to all of our limitations. We will interpret God mm. within all of our limitations, which means I don't, I can't afford to make a bad choice. I can't ever afford to be wrong, and I don't think I can right. always be right. So I'm just, right. I, I can't, I'm paralyzed. I can't, I can't make decisions. The pressure, the overwhelming thought yeah. process that that goes through. Yeah. So the codependent person is like, no, I, uh, the passive codependent person is like, I am not going to make, I'm not going to make decisions. I'm going to, I'm going to get somebody to make decisions. And when they're wrong, I'm going to blame them for it. I'm going to punish them for it. Mm. Whoa. You know, the, the word that you use is paralyzed. Yeah. And I think a lot of people then will adjust their, their theology, the, the way that they see God in that, okay, God, if if you're really good and you know what's best for me, you know, and you're sovereign in all these ways, then why don't you just do it? Why don't you make the decisions? Yeah, just just make those decisions. Just have you ever heard I just don't if have you, I want the right on you the really wall. know my prayers even before I ask yeah. them, then what's the what's the deal? Yeah. And and Jesus, you know, he says, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. And we um, draw the conclusion, you know, that uh, that uh, 
if he really knows, why would I even need to ask? Yeah. Why would I even need to knock or seek? That right. is the carnal thinking. That is me not knowing the truth of of my identity, you know, created in his very image and likeness. That's the conclusion that I draw. But yeah. Jesus draws the, this other conclusion. It's not about what you're asking for. It's not about the thing that you're seeking or knocking about, but it's more about the relationship. And that's the invitation that's that is being extended here. And in this in this codependency that we create, it's like, no, I don't want that kind of responsibility. Yeah. I, I don't I'm gonna put it all on you. And the and, and the Lord says, No, this is the loving, you know, harmonious. There's a word we've been using these months. This mm. is the loving, harmonious relationship. I really want with yeah. you. Well, you know, um, I, my mind is diving in a direction that I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if it, if it really totally fits. But I, I tell you what, where my mind is going right this minute. My Sorry. mind, my mind is going to Paul's conversation with the Corinthians about the difference between the what the world's wisdom is and and what the world considers to be foolishness hmm. in this in this in this way of thinking you know um uh matter of fact let me just, I, I i think i can maybe i can dig up this this scripture here mm-hmm. and and corinthians paul talks about let's see here okay i'll have to find it take me just a minute Paul talks, he's talking about the wisdom, you know, this world versus the wisdom of God. He's talking about how that, uh, you know, we, we got something, God's offering us something better than we've ever seen. Now, see, see, the codependent does not want to run the risk of believing for something that's better than they've ever seen or, or better than anything they've ever heard because they, they can't bear the, the, the pain of, of failure. They can't bear the pain of it not mm. coming to pass, you know. It, it just it becomes another splinter in their in their broken in their broken self worth. But mm-hmm. Paul says something. Let me see here. I think I think I got it. In, in 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 Corinthians where he where he's talking about that. And of course, I'll, I'll just read that for the fun of it. You know, he he says first of all he says in uh, uh, okay in First Corinthians two six he says uh, he says we speak among those who are mature. Now let me let me tell you something about the mature. You are not mature until you can relate to the doctrine of righteousness in a healthy, responsible way. Book of Hebrews tells us that. It's like, look, we gotta move on to this thing about righteousness, but we can't even get there if you can't deal with and won't deal responsibly with the foundations. Just the simple right. things of faith in God right. and repentance yeah. from dead works. And, and you know, and I look at that and go, I don't even know a handful of Christians <laughs> that even understand the foundations of the faith, much less know how to responsibly <laughs> deal with them. No wonder people are crazy and confused about righteousness. So, so he, he's, saying, he's saying, look, this, what I'm offering and what, and what I want to talk to you about, he's really, you know, I, I can't even talk to you about this because of where you are in maturity. So he says, he says, we speak of wisdom among those that are mature, yet 
It's not the wisdom of this age. It's not the wisdom that comes from the rulers of, of this age. Now, one of the things, again, that has been happening in our society of North America for the last particularly 50 or 60 years, and I talk about this a lot, is socialism. Mm-hmm. Socialism creates the concept that there is an elite group that sees and understands things that nobody else can see and understand, and their way is the only way. The elite group are the scientists that have an anti-God, anti-Bible theory of science. It's the educators who have an anti-God, anti-biblical concept of, of, of education. It's the, it's the psychiatrists and psychologists who have an anti-God, anti-biblical concept of how of emotional health. And it's the politicians who have an anti-biblical concept of we need to rule you because you are not capable. So for the last 50 or 60 years, the subtle message in North America has been, and it doesn't sound like it initially, but when you tell teach people that they are the that, that their life and how their life goes is the fault of society and not your fault. You know, you are not responsible for how you came out. Then basically you become powerless to do anything about life because society is, is making you who you are. Society is making you crazy. Everybody around you is the fault of, of, of what's going on in your life. So basically the North American governments have been committed to crippling people with codependency. You need to depend on us. Mm-hmm. To be healthy, to be happy, to be properly educated, to know right and wrong, to have morals and values, and uh, you don't need to depend on God, and you certainly can't depend on yourselves, you know. So, so the powers of this world, when he talks about that in our generation, that really, that that really, are, are, are the wisdom of, of this age is really talking about this this elitism that stands in total opposition to God. In verse 7, he says, now we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Now, what's interesting is this mystery has already been revealed in Jesus. You know, one of the, I have said this for 20 or 30 years, North American Christianity, and really most of the Christianity of the world, is, t- is almost completely Christless other than in lip service. You know, there, there's talk about Christ, but there's no implementation of anything that he taught or modeled to us. He's not the center of our Christianity. What he did through his death, burial, and resurrection is not the center. Wasn't you, Bob, was it you that was telling me this about talking to a preacher and, uh, you, you know, you guys were talking about the resurrection and you were saying, you know, everything comes back to the resurrection and what Jesus accomplished. Mm-hmm. Basically he's like, I just don't believe that. What was it you that was, I had a conversation with not long ago. I don't know, but, but I have experienced that, you know, from, from others. And I, I, and I, in fact, just even this past weekend had a conversation with a, a gentleman and a professor university professor and the biggest thing that was tripping him up was the resurrection yeah and of course you know what's incredible is everything comes back to the resurrection Mm -hmm. so he says yes so he says okay so he said we got this hidden wisdom 
But he said, God ordained before the ages, you know, uh, about this and, and about it being revealed in Jesus. We know that. And so he says in verse 8, none of the rulers of this age, none of them knew. If they knew, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. And then he goes into the whole thing of, of look, and verse 9 is like, look, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, it hasn't even entered into your heart the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, God has prepared these incredible things for people who will enter into a heart-to-heart relationship. I'll tell you, love, you can't, codependency does not give rise to true love. Codependency is one or both people using people to, to meet a need in their life that they are not really willing to have met through an intimate relationship with, with the Lord. That was so, a really good definition. Do what? That was just a really good bottom oh, line yeah. definition. Uses people to meet a need that only God can meet. Yeah. And so and so God's prepared this for everybody, but the only people that are going to find this kind of wisdom are the people who connect with the love of God. And it says in verse 10, because God's going to reveal this through the Spirit. He says, because the Spirit searches all the things of God. And then he explains, you know, what man knows the things of a man except his own spirit. And likewise, the things of God, you know, only the Spirit of God can truly know these things. But he says, now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, not the spirit mm-hmm. that says you're, right. you're you're a you're you're the offspring of a monkey that you know that grew up out of the jungle or a snail that crawled up out of the water. You're creating the likeness and the image of God. And he goes on. He says, and he says, so so we we haven't received the spirit of the world, but the spirit from God. Why? So that we can know the things that have been freely given to us by mm. God. Wow. So the Spirit of God, you know, anything you're hearing in you that is not telling you everything that you have in Jesus. I mean, even the way the Spirit corrects you, if you mm-hmm. do something wrong, is not beating you up because of what you did wrong. It's about mm-hmm. showing you, you know, this is the way to have the kind of yes. fulfillment you want. Yes. This yes. is the way to kind of, to have the kind of life. It's always pointing us back. And, but here was where I wanted to get to. Verse 13 says this. These things we also speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. Now that in the Greek, that word there is, lo- is logos, same as the word of God. There is a logos among the world. There is a logic among the world. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, the moment you start feeling less than, and remember, anything that makes you less than is sin. Anything that makes you feel lack, anything that makes you not step into the glory of God, the true reality of who you are in God, the true reality of what you have in Jesus is sin. Not sin the way we have defined it, but it is mm-hmm. missing the mark. It will lead us away from that quality of life. Mm-hmm. And so, so the world has a gospel. It has a logic. It has a logos. And that logos is you can't get this yourself you need the elite. You need the government. You need somebody anointed. You need a preacher. Mm. You need a teacher. 
You need a prophet. You need a miracle worker. You need somebody else. So that's why Paul said over in Romans, the same thing that Moses said back in Deuteronomy. He said, don't say who's going to die and descend into the deep and get this and bring it back to us. We don't need anybody to bring it. Jesus has brought this to us. We have the logos. We have yes. him, the logos in the flesh, not just the words that yes. we have to sort out and figure out what they mean. Mm-hmm. We've got his life to look at. And, every, right. and the, you know, the word logos is such an incredibly uh, uh, comprehensive word. It, it brings in this concept that, that the logos of God uh, connects to everything that God has ever said. Every, every word he's ever said is completely congruent, wow. completely consistent. Wow. But in verse 14, he says, you know, but the natural man, they don't receive these things. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian, that's a natural Christian, you're a natural thinking Christian. Natural thinking Christians don't think this way about God. Natural thinking Christians want a codependent relationship with God. Now you have to think about that. When do I want God in my life? Do I want God to make decisions that I'm supposed to make? Do I want God to use the authority to bring things to pass that I have been given the authority to use? I've been delegated the authority to use? Do I only want God in, do I really only get involved in my, with God when I'm in a crisis? I need for him to, to deliver me from this crisis. See, most of Christianity is so totally codependent that we cannot, uh, we, we, we can't receive it. We can't take hold of it. We can't wrap our minds around it. And, but there's a reason we can't. It's really not that we can't. It's the fact that we won't because I can't remain in this codependent thing where everybody around me is responsible for my problems. Everybody around me needs to change. God outside of me needs to make my decisions and, uh, and, and, and really, the, the God and the entire universe is supposed to conform to making my life work without me having to assume any responsibility. What I just heard is everyone around me needs to change, and God needs to make decisions for me. Yep. That's the codependent that Christianity. That is the epitome of it. Now that yeah, and whole... then I also heard, you know, the, the crisis gone. Right. You know, I got myself in, in this trouble. You know, so yeah. now I come to him, yeah. and without I don't want character. And I, I don't want character. Yeah. I want a miracle. Right. Yeah. Thank you. That's exactly. What did it. you say? I don't want character. Right. I want a miracle. Whoa. I. I. I and, and again, stop it. Just, <laughs> stop just it. reflecting that stop personal it. responsibility. Yeah. You know, in the love of God, like like I was saying earlier, oh. if I make a bad decision, right, it doesn't mean He stopped being my shepherd. No, it doesn't. You know, it it might mean I stopped following Him, mm-hmm. but I can hit the brakes and I can get reconnect with Him in my heart and go, oh, wait a minute, you know, because He says, he'll, "I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to fail you. I'm never going to forsake you. And when you call on me, I'm going to be there." Okay, Jim, I have a question. Right. Because this is a new thought for me. Do I want God to just make decisions that I'm supposed to make? That's a new one. I understand all the one about it. everyone else needs to change. I've been, I've, been, I've been wrestling through this one for years, that no one around me needs to change. I'm the one right. that gets to change. Um, and, I, and I've got my head around that I want character. I don't need a miracle. I, I need the character. But this whole idea, do I just want to make God, do I just want God to make decisions that I'm supposed to make? 
What about lordship and surrendering, not my will, but your will be done? But that's still you making the decision. Ah. You see, he he won't impose or force right. his lordship or his shepherding ah, or his so will it's just on that, you. Sort of that twist, that dichotomy. It's, yeah, yes, he is my lord, but I'm choosing to make yeah, him my lord. Because when he does, as we said, then he becomes the oppressor. Right. Because I, I need to make the decisions, but I do yeah. believe that he'll give me wisdom to make those decisions. See, you know, I can't even tell you how many thousands of times, tens of thousands of times, people, you know, they, they step up and say, okay, the Lord's leading me to do this, and then it doesn't work. Now, right. you, have, you have backed yourself into an emotional, theological, yes, faith quagmire when you say, God told me to do this, and it doesn't work. I mean, where do you where do you go from there? Well, where you go from there is you either have to admit, you know, God didn't say anything to me. I just that's what I wanted to do or thought, you know, God was saying you either have to go there or you have to start creating a circumstance theology. You have to start creating new twisted theology to justify why your life isn't working when you're after all doing what God said to do. You know, uh, in heart physics, you know, we have heart physics coaches. And uh, you guys are heart physics coaches. Yes, we are. The biggest complaint we've always had from our coaches is, why does it take so long? Why does it take so long? Why does it take so long? <laughs> mm-hmm. Nearly nobody knows how to be a coach. What people want to be is teachers. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be a model and an example They don't want to provide input and let you make decisions. They just want to have the egotistical thrill of having the answer. Hmm. And because that's how we are, we create a concept of God that reflects how we are. We, We want a God that says, do this. You know, the the real truth is God says, this is what truth is. This is the pathway of life. Now, now you've got to make your choice as to whether or not you trust me enough to believe that walking this pathway is going to get you what you want or walk another pathway, but it's got to be your choice. Now, when you walk that pathway that takes you into pain, uh, you can... Repent anytime you want to. You can turn to me. You can turn around and say, you know what? I believe I'll trust you. Now, most people don't do that. Most people say, I want to keep walking this pathway and I want you to work a miracle so I don't have to live in the consequences that are being created. But it's still, it's always our choice. And God will never make us, make us choose. It's our choice. Faith works by love. If I believe God loves me, I trust him. If I trust him, I make the choice based on his truth. Okay, so I think we're pretty much out of time on this this particular episode. Is your brain hurting? Uh, yes. <laughs> no, because I want to ask you now where you want to go for the next. I want to ask you now where you feel the next episode is going, just so that we're setting the trajectory. So here's what we're going to do the next time. Okay. For 29 
We're going to send out the blessed coin that they can put in their shoe so that every time they take a step, their heel will touch it and the glory of God will come upon them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because God told me. <laughs> yeah, because God told me to. <laughs> you are just a nutcake. Okay. Uh, you know, at this moment, I don't even know if I can say where to go from here. No. Okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. Okay, but I, I will say one thing that, you know, taking control, the book you wrote, Taking mm -hmm. Control of Your Life, I was about to blurt out, that's one of my favorite books you've ever written. <laughs> and the reason why I want to say that, because then I, then I laughed at myself, because like, because like, I love control. But you know what? You know, seriously, why yeah. would I love that book? Because it's taking control of my life. I had spent most of my life letting circumstances and other people control yeah. my life. And it was like, no, that is really... You know, you might want to call me a control freak, but I'm. It's about taking personal responsibility. Now, that's what we're supposed to see. See, you know, there's this goofy religious thing here. here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I can. You remember when they first came out with the with the tag, the automobile tag that would say "Jesus is my co-pilot." Right, yeah. right, right, yeah. right. And then, right, right. and then the real spiritual people would say, "Oh no, Jesus is my pilot." Mm -hmm. Pilot. pilot. Yeah. Well, yep. well, you know, that's really interesting because remember, you know, we talked about the word help. The Holy Spirit isn't the doer; He's the helper. Right. We're always the pilot. Uh, he's the navigator. In other words, we're in charge. We make the choices. We decide if we're going to trust where he's leading us. But we're, we're, we're always the one in charge. So, you know, you can make the, you, you know, uh, uh, self-control is a, is, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can yes, make the is. statement that, 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 you know, it's time to take control of your life. Oh, no, no, I want Jesus to have control of my life. Just, <laughs> just shut up and stop acting stupid because you don't want Jesus to have control of your life. If you did, he would have, you know, you've got to take control we, individually. Seen, yes, and we've seen the word control as such a bad, bad word. Yeah. But it's it's kind of like, no, take control of your life in the way By that trusting you make the God. choices. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and and the phrase, you know, God is in control. And and they'll use that yep. to relinquish any personal Every responsibility. Personal responsibility. Yep. Because God is in control. Uh yep. no. You you have your choices to make. Absolutely. And that is so empowering to me because then you're not having to wait for everyone else to get good before you get to have peace and joy and righteousness. When you take control of your life, you decide what seeds am I going to plant? Yep. This means I know what's going to grow in the garden of my life. There are no surprises. Yep. yep. And so I'm going to, I'm going to plant the seeds in my garden. It's going to produce the life that Jesus died to give me. Yep. Awesome. Good. Well, the book is there at livetransform.com. Take control of your life. If you're like me, even, you know, that word control is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Self -control. And my next book is going to be for Bob. Take control of Audrey's life. <laughs> <laughs> He's tried. It's, it's, it's one of those books, you know, that has an awesome title. But the pages are blank. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you open it up and there's nothing written on the page. Nothing written in there. <laughs> All right, guys. Oh, good. It. Jim, thank you. Audrey, again. Thank you again, so much. What thank a great you episode. for investing in your heart and mm -hmm. your life. Uh, this has been episode number 117. Be sure uh, to find the book at livetransform.com. Give you're, thumbs up, share you're not it with limited others. by time. Remember, we talked about the beginning of this whole thing. This is so fun. I right. love it. Yeah, we've already met in what? Episode 121? Did That's we right. meet there yet? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, good. All right. Thank you, Jim. Love to y'all. Have a wonderful week.